0: Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Welcome to All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast. Today we're talking about partum care and the fourth trimester of pregnancy. Uh, we believe strongly really in the importance of the fourth trimester here at Conceivabilities and we're including it in our newly launched all-in surrogate care and compensation package with our company. And to that end, we really want to help our listeners understand more about what it means in terms of what the fourth trimester truly is. Uh, Today, we have an expert with us to give us an education that we really need about this subject. She's co-authored an article titled The Fourth Trimester, 12 Weeks is Not Enough. She's the Medical Officer of Women's Health for the Philadelphia Department of Health, a practicing OBGYN in Philadelphia, and holds a master's in public policy. Dr. Asta Mehta,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I um, am, a, as you mentioned, I'm a practicing OBGYN um, in Philadelphia, and uh, my journey into public policy and public health is sort of interesting in, in, in different turns. There's not really usually like a um, a path that people take from med-, med school into doing the work that I do, um, but my work in in the, for the city is focused on reducing maternal and mor- mortality and morbidity. Um, and in that realm, I, I work with our I direct our maternal mortality review team, um, and that's sort of where I've learned a lot about. Um, Um, the public, the policy and like the public health impacts of, of, um, you know, maternal mortality and morbidity and how it impacts families. So um, I'm really happy to be here. And, you know, um, I've learned a lot about where in sort of this perinatal period, um, that where there needs to be more services and things like that. Um, And so um, I'm happy to spread the message to all because I think it's so important and not really talked about as much as it should be. I agree. So as an OBJYN and when we talk about partum
0: care and specific to the fourth trimester, I I can imagine a lot of our listeners are perplexed or maybe this is the first time they're hearing of, of a fourth trimester. Tell us exactly what it is and why it's so important.
1: Yeah. So the fourth trimester is is, is coined um, by actually a pediatrician, um, and it was really um, thought more around sort of the things that baby would need um, after delivery. Um, but more so now, we're thinking about the fourth trimester more globally for both moms and babies, um, and it refers to the first three months after birth um, as a time where there's a lot of transition, um, you know, in both sort of the the mother's personal life and their sort of day-to-day as well as, of course, like a newborn being in the world. Um, And so it it speaks to that time period.
0: And so when we talk about the fourth trimester, you know, when you say originally it was coined by a pediatrician specific to the baby, but for the purposes of our, our show today, we're really talking about what it means to a woman who's recently given birth in that period of time and what happens to her body and how she's trying to recover right? So when you say, you know, postpartum care and the fourth trimester care in 12 weeks is not enough. um, Tell me what that what you mean by it's not enough.
1: Yes. So, you know, um, we've sort of come up with and this time period that we think that after these 12 weeks that people have gone back to being the same person they were before pregnancy. Um, and you know, sort of more information has come out, more data, more research that really, that's not the case. And that even though we've sort of put this time frame and this time limit on when things should go back to normal, okay, now you've had a baby, you've had these 12 weeks, to recover, to sort of get into a new routine. Now it's time to either go back to your job or go, you know, or, you know, you're no longer qualified for these services, or, you know, we don't have any sort of um, supports in place for you after this time period. Um, and so what I'm, so what I think that we should sort of re- reframe that and say that it's not just like this, like magical 12 weeks where all of a sudden things are normal, but that actually, it's really dependent on the person as to how much time they would need for it to sort of recover from the childbirth and all those experiences, but also into a new normal, caring for another child if this is like, you know, their second or third or fourth or whatever. Um, And so I'm sort of talking about that as like, the 12 weeks is not really there's no magical thing about the 12 weeks that makes people be automatically back to their regular selves. So to speak.
0: And what happens after birth, you know, share, share for us some of the things that happen. Are they physical? Are they emotional? You know, what, what needs to, to be tended to during this period of time after birth?
1: I mean, absolutely to, you know, certainly physical, um, you know, you've either given birth vaginally or via C-section and those can go along with whatever, you know, um, potential complications that occurred there but even just if there were no complications it's still you know some amount of pain management and things like that um certainly emotional um you know hormonally there are many changes that occur um after delivery that sort of regardless of what your support system is at home or regardless of you know um this side together like you will women will go through um you know uh, hormonal changes like that's physiology, that's science. Um, and so whatever impacts of those hormonal changes have on your, you know, your mental health or, you know, um, your happiness is, is that's an individual thing. Um, and then certainly, I mean, there's sleep deprivation that sort of enhances all of these things. Um, uh, you know, if anybody's ever had a newborn, which I'm sure people have, um, that are listening, um, you can understand sort of the, the impacts of sleep deprivation, um, and you know, and how that takes a toll on, you know, all the things and how it makes everything, you know, different. And then, you know, if you're deciding on breastfeeding, I mean, that is, you know, a full-time job in and of itself. And so that can take its toll on on people. Um, and so, you know, uh, the sense of like your body is not your own kind of thing. Like if you're really truly just, you know, on the breast all the time, like that can be, you know, really a time for people to just be really stressed out. Um, and, you know, while it's very happy, but it certainly, you know, it certainly can be, um, a difficult thing to navigate um, when you've not experienced it before and even and I like to say this it's not even that every um, mother is different every pregnancy is different so if this is your you know not your first child it still doesn't mean that like you you're gonna follow that same path that you did with your first one right like if the first one was fine or the second one was fine and you know whatever happened during that time but like that doesn't mean that this, Like your path will be the same this time because every pregnancy and the things that happen after pregnancy can be different. Sure. You know, Mm
0: -hmm. I have to say before, you know, obviously I'm deep in a field that is all about pregnancy, right? Creating families, happy events. but. Um, and I've had my own children. But I have to say, this idea and notion of a fourth trimester and the, the, the physical and emotional care for a woman who has just given birth, it, it was new, right? It's, it's kind of this new notion out there. And most of us, I think, who have gone through the experience of having given birth really are focused primarily on um, maybe some cursory Um, uh, you know, recoveries, you know, maybe losing a little bit of weight or, um, again, getting, you know, into the rhythm of breastfeeding. But you really don't understand all of the biomechanics or all of the emotions that really are swirling around that need tending to. So I love that we're talking about this and it's becoming more advanced in the field of, um, you know, a pregnancy and delivery what about the women who say, when you say every pregnancy is different, what about the women who say, you know, I I feel just fine. Maybe they're not really focusing in on some of the things that do need attention and care. Um, In your practice, do you find that some people just present and they say everything's fine, but you as a physician and and a a provider of care know that's not the case? How do you approach that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and I don't want to discount the fact that people think that they're just fine because, you know, again, it can be a really individual thing how you, um, sort of, sort of respond to these changes in your body or respond to changes in your routine. Um, that's a pretty individual thing. And so I don't like to discount people's, feelings if they're saying they're fine. But I also recognize that there is this sort of societal pressure that expects people to be just fine, Mm -hmm. right? Like, now you have a baby. Now you're, you know, you're a mother now. So, you know, everything should be about, you know, your child. And of course, as a mother, like... I'm a mother of two, of course that is the case, but you know, you're not, you're not no longer a human. Right. And so, um, you know, I like to create a space and, you know, certainly my colleagues are the same where if people are, you know, at least they can talk to somebody, right? Like they might not be able to talk to their family about how they're feeling because there's expectations there to be a certain way as a mother. Um, but at least they can talk to somebody that's sort of not going to judge them for like not having it together all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and feeling, you know, ho- hopefully feeling like comfortable to be open and raw with themselves and with us about, you know, um, how they're feeling.
0: And do you think it's possible to prioritize both the baby's health and the mother's health? I mean, are there trade offs that go on? Uh, tell us a little bit about the prioritization.
1: Well, it certainly. Uh, one needs to prioritize both right but at the end of the day um babies are dependent on their caregivers right and the mom is generally a primary caregiver in our society and so if the mom isn't doing great how does one expect the baby to be doing great, right? The babies can't go get the food themselves. They can't go change their own diaper. They can't, you know, do a lot of things by themselves. And so if the mom is, let's say, you know, um, really struggling with sort of these either pain or these like changes in, you know, emotions and potentially depression, etc., that's not going to do the baby any favors. And so we really need to sort of, you know, think about mom as a human, and almost as as important, if not even a little bit more important, in in intending to these things um, when we're thinking about sort of that mom baby dyad. Because the baby will be okay if the mom is okay, but it won't be the vice versa. Just because the baby's okay doesn't mean the mom is okay. Do you know what I mean? So that's what sure, I think. sure. Mm-hmm. So
0: it's sort of like you know, put your own oxygen mask on first, right before you can it's... assist and help others.
1: You know. Totally. I actually think about that. I think about that all the time when I'm on a plane and I'm like, yes, like, and and that just to me is like the same as sort of this, this period of after childbirth, you know, it's the same concept. And so, you know, when we think about
0: the need for a a good fourth trimester recovery period of, you know, getting, getting, um, the, the care and attention that one needs to be able to, you know, support their, their baby at home. Um, is there a way that a woman can kind of set the stage for a strong fourth trimester recovery? And if so, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's certainly things, um, that somebody can do. I mean, you're never going to be able to predict, um, the hormonal imbalance and how that's going to sort of impact your, your, your mental and physical health. But you can sort of be as prepared as possible. So having, um, you know, a support network in place during pregnancy and having actually a plan, like a postpartum plan, like who's going to be, you know, um, you know, how are we going to, you know, decide on who's going to care for the baby at night or, you know, or during the day, if, you know, I need like a mental health break, like who's going to be there, who are going to be the supports in place for that? Um, there are, you know, there are postpartum plans out there that you can sort of Google um, and work with your medical provider to see like what could be, you know, a feasible plan for you and your family. Um, and so there are things that you can do to be as informed as possible. Um, working with a doula um, during pregnancy. Um, Doulas do sometimes, um, you know, depending on people's, um, you know, need and as well as their means, like doulas could be a really great support um, after delivery as well to sort of do all those kind of like intangible things like the dishes and the cleaning of the bottles and the things like that. So you're not worrying as much about about those kinds of things when you're, you know, adjusting to a new normal with a new baby.
0: And so you just mentioned doulas, Um, you know, are there other important care providers during a pregnancy or even after delivery that come into play that would be an important participant in this fourth trimester recovery?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it depends on, you know, the individual person and like what their specific needs may be. whether it be like if they have chronic medical conditions or something, you know, something along those lines. Um, Certainly, um, the partner can be a really big support. Um, And, you know, I always recommend if there is a partner in the picture that that person knows all about the ins and outs of, you know, what are the different things that could happen in the postpartum period that could point to like a medical complication that might, you know, that we might need to be alerted to um, on the clinical side. Um, there's also certainly family support is really important. Um, but in sort of independent support, there are home visitors that can come to your home and do education, lactation consultants, um, that can come to your home or that you could go somewhere and, and, you know, learn a little bit more about breastfeeding. Um, so, you know, there's... And there's, you know, like therapists and, you know, um, you know, if you're already sort of bent towards potentially having depression or um, th- something like that, maybe having those supports in place prenatally so that you're not sort of scrambling to find somebody afterwards. If, you know, it ends up being that, you, you, you know, you want to talk to somebody or need some higher level of care in terms of that. Um, those are the kinds of supports I would recommend having in place ahead of time. And, you know, I've
0: I've come to realize, too, some other aspects, and I, gosh, I wish I knew this, right, all the years ago when I first uh, had had children, but things such as like pelvic floor PT, maybe some corrective exercise specialists, even nutritionists, would you agree that some, some of those uh, care providers would also be helpful?
1: Absolutely. So again, I think that some of those are very specific types of providers, and it may not be like necessary um to see those people right away um or at all um depending on sort of your birth experience but um but yes like all of those supports would be great um i think it depends on you right so if you're um let's say you have a baby and the baby is allergic to dairy and so you have to cut out dairy from your diet if you're breastfeeding then a nutritionist would be would be a really great person um, you know i I don't recommend like a nutritionist and that, that, support right away. Cause you kind of have to do what works for you in that time period. Um, and so, you know, and you know, it's not about the losing the weight and getting back to your, you know, back to like your, your body that you, that you want. Like, I think like it's, it's important to start accepting people that, you know, you are going to be of this like great, bigger size um, potentially after birth. And that's okay. Like there's no rush and trying to have to get back to, like, your normal self, um, you know, right away. Like, I, I think the, the mental health and the sort of the supports of the day-to-day are so much more important in ensuring that, like, moms are, are you know, feeling good as opposed to sort of looking good. And so sure, I think, like, sure. you know, so I think, like, those kinds of supports are, are good. Um, but I think more of that emotional and sort of physical support of, like, people in the home helping is, um, I think, really ideal.
0: So, I mean, way more than just cosmetic, truly. I mean, what we're talking about is really optimizing one's recovery for longer term health of not only the mother, but the baby, right? That, so that's what really this is about. Yep. And I, I, I think what might be really shocking to our listeners to hear is you know this statistic out there that um, one third of pregnancy related deaths occur after the first week through the first year after delivery. Wow. Like, how can we make that better? Is the fourth trimester contributing to improving that statistic?
1: So, I mean, the fourth trimester is a part of that statistic, right? So it's that three-month period after birth that we're talking about. And so, um, but in, which is kind of the that statistic is the whole reason why I, I say that, you know, 12 weeks is not enough because we're sort of putting, you know, all of our, if you think about sort of, Pregnancy and postpartum. Like you think about your um, interaction with the healthcare system. Like, so during pregnancy, you're having multiple visits, you're seeing your doctor pretty regularly. Um, oftentimes, people don't really see doctors regularly until they become pregnant. Um, And so there may be like chronic medical conditions and other things that come to light during pregnancy that we would not have known about beforehand. And so you're optimizing those things, you know, for the health of yourself and and the baby and having a good pregnancy outcome. And so this thing like diabetes and high blood pressure, and then you have your baby and then And then nothing, right? Like you don't see your doctor Mm -hmm. for maybe six weeks. Um, Whereas like before you were seeing them weekly, you know, starting at 36 weeks. And so, you know, and that was intentional, right? Like we have a system in place that says you need to see your doctor every week starting at 36 weeks, you know, for, you know, to check the baby's heartbeat and check your weight, et cetera, et cetera, your blood pressure. But then the system is, is then picks up, but for baby, right? So like there you have your well baby visits, like, you know, within a week of after the delivery, you know, you have like scheduled visits for baby, but what about scheduled visits for the mom, right? Like there are none of that. The, those kinds of like scheduled types of like systems things are not in place in that fourth trimester and beyond, right? Like there's like, you have your one visit, maybe six weeks afterwards. And by that point, within those six weeks, a lot of things have happened, right? You've probably gone to like four doctor's visits for baby. You've already recovered from maybe your, you know, your childbirth in in terms of like your C-section to a certain degree. And then your vaginal birth, maybe you've maybe gone through the postpartum blues, which is a pretty normal thing in those first two weeks as like the hormonal changes are happening. So you've gone through it already, right? And then six weeks later, you're seeing your doctor. What about all the other things that happen during prenatal care, right? Like all those chronic medical conditions that you optimized, what happens in that time period for those things, right? And then after that, like, it's like, okay, well, good luck. (laughs) You know, go see your primary care doctor, but there's no system in place to sort of say like, okay, like we've identified all these things. Like let's put systems, like you should systematically have a six week or a six-month visit with a primary care doctor and this is your doctor that you should see or with your OBGYN gyn and, and, and let's schedule that visit. Like there's nothing in sort of, and there's no, there's no um, system that says that in the medical piece and then there's no payment system that says that either, right? So like if you go to, for your annual visit, like you're supposed to go for your annual visit with your OBGYN, your insurance pays for that, et cetera, but there isn't any of that in that first year after birth, right? And so yeah, yeah, the payment mechanisms aren't there either. And so there's nobody telling you what you can what you should be doing in that year after delivery. And that's what I think needs to change a little bit too. Like we need to have sort of more, more systems in place and the supports that go along with them so that people know what takes, what what what's what's up like, what are they going to be doing in that year.
0: So you know, to the to the point about the healthcare system needs to start integrating some of these services and offerings to women who have given birth. You know that that conceivably could be a heavy lift, right? That's changing the system. So would you would you say that in the meantime, a woman needs to kind of take charge of integrating these services into her care herself? Like what what can she do um, if if the system currently doesn't proactively offer the service?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I. It's tough, right? Because you know, I. It's it's hard for me as a public health person to put that on individual people to do that for themselves, right? Because, um, you know, in my in my mind, that doesn't really that's not going to yield a population level benefit, right? But yes, like I think that um, I think that what's important is for people to be equipped in knowing kind of what's normal and what's not normal, what you um, could, like, what what you, and being honest with themselves about what they do need, and then if they have the means and, and, and that sort of thing, to be able to go out and get that. But the problem with that statistic is that a lot of um those people that, you know, a, a majority of, of, the, of the of the pregnancy-related deaths that die up to that year, you know, may not have the sort of means to be able to take charge of their own health. You know, either they're, um, you know, sort of... Uh, already a little bit suspicious of the healthcare system and so don't feel comfortable accessing it, or they've lost their health insurance because Medicaid in many states will run out after 60 days postpartum. Um, And so they're not actually able to afford accessing the healthcare system. And a lot of the safety net services are really focused around baby in that year and not a lot of safety net services specifically for mom. And so there's so many like systematic issues um, that we're identifying in that gear. And now that we know what the data is, then we can sort of focus our efforts on improving those systems and, and um, sort of retooling them to be more focused on like, mother's health as well. Um, but in the, you're right, in the meantime, it's important for individual people to know that this is a thing if they can be advocates for themselves that they should be.
0: And so when we, you know, you mentioned some, some data and statistics and, you know, can you point to any exciting data or evidence about what's possible with a transformed care model so that there is more access to a fourth trimester care?
1: I don't know of any sort of intervention that people have put into place that has sort of um, improved like that mortality statistic. It might be out there. I just haven't seen it. Um, what, what I would say is there's a lot of development and innovation in this space that sort of goes as a workaround around all of these like systemic issues. So people have in, invested in, you know, apps and sort of AI to sort of um, continue that conversation with people in the postpartum period um, and like through text messages and things like that and pushing out content and information and access to services. So I would say it's a burgeoning and developing field of what's the best way to continue to um, touch point with with women. you know, in that time period, because I think that's going to be really individual, right? Um, you know, some people might not need anything, and then some people may need, you know, 15 different things. Um, and so how do, we, um, how, how, do, how do we meet the needs of people where they are, um, and, and, and like, rather than like sort of blanketly give everyone all the things, which I don't think is certainly, it may not be necessary, but giving people the things that they need. Um, I don't know a better way. To right, because uh, there, yeah.
0: there, there's not a one-size-fits-all, right? I mean, no. you, we we have already talked about how every pregnancy is different, and so, um, understandably, a one-size-fits-all model truly wouldn't work. But it sounds as if you know any focus and attention that we give to this issue only helps to promote the health and well-being of all participants, right? Baby and mom and family, right? Because everybody absolutely. is interconnected into, into the community with kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: yeah. only increases their health.
1: Yes, yes. And I mean, I hate to point to other countries because, you know, their healthcare system delivery is so different from ours, especially the countries that are doing this well. But if you look at sort of the Scandinavian countries, like they um, – they have so many, and I mean, they also have, you know, paid child, leave, maternity leave or like pay you know, like paid family leave. And they have, you know, universal health care and all these other things that, you know, um, we don't have here in, in the United States. But, you know, the thing the thing that we could potentially model after is sort of that it takes a village approach. So I feel like in um, the United States, uh, you know, our society is sort of like, you know, a little bit more like, you know, this is my space, my home, like there's not, there's less of that sort of like community kind of like health. I mean, we see that with sort of COVID and, you know, um, you know, sort of the way people have, you know, responded to that. But I think like in, in, like in these Scandinavian countries where they're very low rates of maternal mortality, like there it's very expected that people will come to your home and help you. Um, It's very expected to like have that, like all those like sort of systems are in place and like society is in place to like accept that you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, so you will be getting 15 visits from people afterwards, right? Like, and right as a routine course baby. of care, right? It's like, <laughs> it's part, it's part of, it's ingrained in like the way that what happens after you have a baby, but that's not necessarily the case here. Like, yes, we have those supports. There's so many organizations doing amazing things in terms of like supporting, um, women postpartum and, you know, um, offering services like home visiting, but how many people are actually taking up on that? Right. It's not as, it's not as, as, um, it's not as well, it's, it's not as ingrained in people to, to say, oh, okay, like I'm going to, I'm not expecting people to come at home, but if I want them to, I can engage them to come, you know, as opposed to like it sort of being part of it. Like you're opting in here in the, in the States, whereas like there you're kind of opting out and not even then because you're, you know, it's already kind of ingrained in you that like, after you have a baby, this is all the things that happen. You know, so.
0: Sure, sure. And so, So for conceivability, I think think what's so exciting for us now that we have our arms around this issue and, you know, we're embracing this fourth trimester for surrogates, it's, you know, we have an opportunity to up them in, you know, to to just give them that extra nudge to say, look at these wonderful, uh, you know, services that we can help you with, that we can provide for you. Because I think what's unique in a surrogacy pregnancy, right, is that, you know, we're talking a lot about moms and babies. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not the case with surrogacy, right? A surrogate goes into this, you know, wanting to help, wanting to provide, uh, you know, a family and a dream for another person. And so there's so much focus on her while she's pregnant. And then that wonderful day comes where she gives birth and the, you know, the intended parents are are finally the family that they've always wanted to be. And now the surrogate has to start another journey into recovery. And I think, you know, the more we can rally around her where... Um, it's it's kind of an exceptional and special moment because she's not bringing home a baby. She's not having to care for another person. You know, that oxygen mask can go right on her and her only. And so what's so exciting about this fourth trimester is that we're rallying around an individual where she doesn't have to worry about anybody else but herself and her own family. And I just wonder, you know, Dr. Mehta, do you have any... Um, just kind of thoughts or, or information or perspective to share on what this means specific to a surrogate?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I I recognize that some of the sort of stresses of that postpartum fourth trimester um, period um, have to do with sort of your new normal of caring for another child or your first child and how that, that those emotional impacts of that but certainly like I said the physiology also lends itself to having emotional um you know uh, like difference in emotions and depression regardless of like if you have these uh, if you have the baby or not um so that's still something to um you know, to understand and not feel like, wait, but I don't even have the baby. Why am I depressed? Right. Like that it is a normal part of the physio, like the physiologic changes that are happening. Um, and so I don't know if that would like, you know, if, if that is a a message that people hear because they might hear that there's a d- depression, but it, it relates to sort of all of these other things, not necessarily the fact that it just relates to the fact that you just, your hormones completely changed after birth. Um, and so that I think is an important thing to recognize. I'm not an expert in surrogacy, but I imagine going through a birth experience. And even though you're going in with the, with the, the notion that you know that you're not obviously taking home the baby, et cetera, like that sort of, that feeling of emptiness might still be there. Um, and regardless of how prepared you are, that potentially could have an impact. Um, so I think like acknowledging that and having those supports in place to deal with those types of feelings would be important. Um, I also, you know, for what I mentioned before about um, the fact that this, like if you are having those having feelings outside of, outside of the sort of that empty feeling potentially that it is a normal physiologic change and that one should acknowledge that and not feel embarrassed if they feel that way. Um, I also just, and this really isn't actually just a surrogacy thing, but in general for the general population, sometimes complications that occur after, uh, you know, in that postpartum period, um, things like that, um, can lead to, you know, uh, morbidity or mortality, like cardiovascular, um, conditions like cardiomyopathy and things like, and embolism, things like that, that cause, um, you know, uh, complications, those things can sort of mimic normal changes in the postpartum period and so I think like being really in tune with your body about sort of what you're feeling um, and knowing what's normal and what's not and even if that means that you don't know but you just ask I think that's also important and also having those people around you to recognize that as well so you know I imagine in, in surrogacy, like you kind of go home and while there's a recovery period, it's not like your family's coming over and helping you as much and, and things like that with that. Cause there's, there may not be a baby there. Um, but I think like having those family members or people around you also recognize that there are specific medical complications that can occur and to keep an eye on, on those and like, you know, maybe still stop by your house and, you know, help you with your recovery, but also like being a little bit, having your spidey senses up about some of these other complications and sort of escalating them if those occur. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Just looking for all the indications that maybe, um, you know, something's not quite right or, uh, you know, there's a need that's going unmet, right? So if, if, if you, you know, if there was one thing that you wanted every listener on this show to know about the fourth trimester what would it be?
1: Society has sort of put these constructs in place that make it feel like, you know, as a mother, everything that you do now is for baby and that, you know, your health and well-being has to be put to the side. I want people to know that that can actually be a really dangerous thing for yourself and for your family. And so to take that time seriously and not in seriously in the sense of like of course you're taking it seriously in terms of being a mother but like really being in tune with your your body as well and not putting your own health to the side um you know because that can have you know really sort of dire consequences um and so I don't want to have this like big feminist message but it's kind of like you know we're so trained as a society to like okay now our needs are to the side right like You're, you know, you're only talking about, you know, we're only worried about baby, but in the case of surrogacy, you know, you're not really only worried about baby, but, you know, just to not ignore your own health for the benefit of your baby, because you're only doing, you know, you're only doing harm that way. Um, and that it's okay to not, to not, you know, not be just because your friend recovered or, you know, your, your sister recovered this way, it doesn't, there's no like actual roadmap. For what's the right way to recover after childbirth. It's the, it's whatever is the right way for you. And there's no time frame on that. Like, even though we have, we say these times as like, you know, set in stone, that's not necess- That's not the case, actually. And that it's okay to sort of still, to struggle, but that they're, you know, to, to ask for help. Basically. And and really,
0: um, Dr. Mehta, I mean, there's more resources than ever before, right? Unfortunately, we don't have a system that proactively engages this fourth mm-hmm. trimester care. But really, you know, um, and, and it's not for everybody. And not, not everybody, I guess what I'm trying to say is not everybody understands how to proactively get the care that they need. But mm-hmm. there are resources out there and there's more than ever before.
1: Yes. Yes, right. I would say that. Yeah. The fact that we're even having this conversation, um, I think speaks to the fact that, you know, um, people are starting to talk about it and recognize that this time period is actually a sure really important time period um, in sort of the life course of, of the woman. You know, um, you know we're op- we've optimized medical conditions potentially in pregnancy. Let's carry that through to, you know, a, a, a long, healthy life, you know, for decades to, to come. Yeah, I I
0: truly believe we are ushering in a new a a new age of awareness about not only mental health, um, but physical care of oneself. And I I just Mm -hmm. think it's it's um, it's long overdue. It's much needed. But thank goodness that, you know, we're entering this new phase. well, Dr. Mehta, this has been a wonderful show, and for our listeners again today, uh, we've had uh, Dr. Mehta, the Medical Officer of Women's Health for the Philadelphia Department of Health and a practicing OBGYN in Philadelphia, and the author of The Fourth Trimester, 12 Weeks is Not Enough. Dr. Asta Mehta, thank you so much for joining me today, and I can't wait for our listeners to take away some wonderful information from today's podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Wow, what a great show today. And, you know, I I just, when I think about my guests and the takeaways and all of the skill, talent, insight, information they bring to the table, it just never ceases to amaze me. And this one in particular, as, as a woman, as a mother, as a professional engaged in family building, you know, when I think that we know it all, or we've been through it all. And, you know, obviously women have been giving birth for millennia, and we think that it's rote and routine. Along comes a new perspective, a new way of thinking about something. And this in particular related to fourth trimester of care and the, the evolution of women's health care. And my big takeaway is that there's always more to come. We've never quite figured it out and that we will continue to evolve and grow and get better. And with this new dawn of um, focusing on our mental health care, our physical health care, of having more access to resources and tools and education and information, that aha for me was that uh, it's always evolving, never stand still, never accept, and always look for ways to do things better. So thank you, listeners, for joining me on today's podcast, and I'll see you next time. At Conceivabilities, we believe that everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for nearly 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Learn more by joining our Surrogacy Learning Center community at surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com.